Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody Award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Great America Show. Thanks for being with us on what looks to be another day of higher casualties among the Ukrainian defenders and an increasingly desperate need to get as much assistance to the Ukrainian people, their government, and the defenders as quickly as possible. We all have a lot of questions today and too few answers. And the reasons for that go beyond the fog of war. Today, we're dealing with the state of our president's cognitive ability. A new poll shows most Americans have questions about his mental sharpness. Europe is now leading the urgent delivery of weapons and ammunition and food to the valiant Ukraine defenders. But the question now is, will all of that be in time? There's ever greater urgency. There's heavy fighting reported throughout Ukraine. Russian invaders are intensifying their bombardments and assault of key large cities. And still, the Ukrainian military and civilian resistance fighters are doing what most military analysts said would be next to impossible before the fighting began. There are higher casualties on both sides, but the Ukrainians at this point are holding on to most of their cities despite ever larger numbers of Russian troops being thrown into the battle. Putin's forces far outnumber Ukraine's defenders. They are far better trained, far better equipped, far better weaponry, and yet here we are. Day five of the invasion and the fight still rages. A big question is whether help will get to the Ukrainians in time. And Putin is reportedly very unhappy, apparently unhappy enough that he's allowed talks to be taken. The Russians and Ukrainian representatives will meet on the Belarus border. No conditions, no agenda, no surrender, just talks and very few expectations. But it does offer hope for something better than the continuation of the Russian onslaught against a brave Ukrainian military and civilian resistance who are still defending their nation and their brave leader, the courageous president, Volodymyr Zelensky, whose people are rallying around him for standing with them, for leading them, and asking the West not for a rescue from combat, but for more ammunition. On the Russian side, Vladimir Putin is not faring as well with his people. In fact, anti-war demonstrations in Russia are increasing in number, and the size of those demonstrations is growing, and it has to be worrying the Kremlin and Putin Putin is, to this point, hardly unnerved or pausing his attacks. He's ordered in 10,000 more paratroopers to reinforce his soldiers on the front lines. And there are reports Belarus is dispatching their special forces to join up with the Russians in their attacks on Kiev and large cities. 
Meanwhile, the West has halted Russia's ability to utilize the global financial and trade data and funding clearinghouse known as SWIFT, a further tightening of the Western blockade against Russia by the European nations, including the European Union. It's restricting their airspace and refusing now to allow Russian aircraft to fly overhead. A big blow to Putin, who must be beginning to feel the building pressure as NATO and Europe start shipping billions of dollars worth of weapons and aid. Yes, all of that should have taken place before the invasion, or at least certainly the first day. But at least the Euros are now acting in support of Ukraine, and in fact, leading in the West response to Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Even Germany, that opposed tough steps initially against Russia, has reversed itself and is shipping supplies, weapons, and materiel to Ukraine. In the past few days, the White House, you may have noticed, has receded from any form of leadership perhaps just as well given their missteps and misstatements for the past several weeks. President Biden not even in the White House over the weekend, but at home in Delaware. As over the weekend, Putin ordered his nuclear forces to go on high alert. The Biden administration's silence may well reflect a president whose Washington Post ABC poll numbers have plummeted, plunging to 37%, and a huge chasm for the Democrats to overcome in the midterm elections, according to that same poll. It looks as though a disaster looms for the Democrats. And the same poll also shows a majority of Americans now question whether President Biden has the mental sharpness to be president. A president's mental health would be a major national issue in the best of times. And these are not those times. These are times of crisis and the possibility of an expanding war in Europe. There is, we must also acknowledge now, even the possibility of a nuclear war with Russian forces now on high alert. The American people must know whether our Commander-in-Chief is fit to lead in such times as these. We talked with a man who knows the importance of strong leadership, who is also a retired Admiral and physician. He also served as the White House physician for three presidents. Presidents Bush, Obama, and Trump. We're joined now by that distinguished man who spent his life serving this nation and is now a U.S. congressman from Texas, Dr. Ronnie Jackson. Welcome to The Great America Show. I know you've had questions about the president's cognitive condition for some time. Uh, out of your concern, you also asked that President Biden take a cognitive test, and the White House refused. And in these latest polls now, most Americans agree with your concerns. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, I've been saying for a long time, even when he was candidate, Joe Biden, I was saying, I don't think I, I think there's something wrong with this man. I don't think he's cognitively fit to be our commander in chief and our head of state. And, you know, I, I was one of the few people saying it early on and then as time went on. But he's he's been on display for the entire country and for the entire world. Now, we've seen firsthand uh, you know, uh, some of the issues that he's having. And, and it's just, uh, it started with Afghanistan. And uh, now this, uh, this debacle in, in Ukraine, where they could have done something early on, they didn't. Uh, and a large part of the reason that we didn't do more than we could have is that I just got back from the this, uh, security summit in Munich. And I, I was shocked to find out that, you know, we're not, a, we're not a leader on the world stage anymore. Uh, the European countries, NATO 
countries, they're not looking to us for leadership anymore because uh, mainly because Biden is supposed to be providing that. And he's completely incompetent. He looks frail. He looks weak. Uh, he looks incoherent. And the whole world senses weakness right now. And that's why we're in the situation we're in with Ukraine right now is because they see this as a window of opportunity that won't last much longer. And they're going to strike while the iron is hot. You know, Putin's probably been wanting to do this for, for a long, long time right. to kind of start getting the old Soviet Union back together again. And this is just a window of opportunity that he's going to take advantage of. And, you know, President Xi's going to take advantage of it with Taiwan pretty soon. The Iranians are going to get a nuclear weapon. We're going to be tested across the board. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden fails every time we get tested. And that's just what he's doing to us internationally. I mean, he's destroying us uh, in a domestic front, too. So I think that uh, it, it's 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 not a you know it's not a joke. Uh, this man's got some serious issues, and he's doing great damage to our country. And we need to do something about it. This issue of his cognitive ability, how would you say that it compares then to the two presidents, uh, the three presidents uh, that you uh, cared for? Well, I don't think they none of the three of them had any cognitive issues whatsoever. They were they were all very motivated, uh, very top A, very but very impressive in their in their abilities uh, cognitively and, you know, and, and able to multitask and things like that. And I tell people all the time, you know, I, I, having seen three presidents and been, a, you know, been the physician for three administrations, I know what it takes physically and mentally to do this job. And it's demanding. I mean, a lot of people that don't have cognitive issues uh, don't have the, the, the capacity to do this. And certainly having a president who's diminished is a big problem for us because you do have to be awake, alert uh, for long, for long hours. You have to be able to travel all over the planet, multiple time zones, yep. get off the plane multitask and negotiate with foreign leaders. And there's just no way Joe Biden can do that right now. And the whole world knows it. You know, I, I wrote a letter, um, I guess, back in last June, demanding that he have a cognitive test, because Sorry. when I was president Sorry. Trump's physician, yeah. the, uh, the, the far left just demanded that, that we have a cognitive test done. And so I think the precedent's been set. So I made the same demands of President Biden, and it just hadn't happened yet. But since then, Public opinion has changed, and, and over 60% of the country believes that he's got a cognitive issue and that he may not be fit to be our president. Uh, you don't think for a moment there is a possibility he'll ever take a cognitive test, do you, doctor? I don't, and I, you know, I'm not even sure we need one anymore, to be honest with you, Lou. I mean, he, he's been around. He's, de he's shown us what he's all about for a while now, and I think most people are convinced there's something there, and I don't think a cognitive test would change that much for most people. They, they kind of know what's going on. I, th I think a cognitive test would be appropriate as well for many of his national security team. We learned that in yes. the issue of uh, Ukraine, uh, that the United States, uh, the Biden administration turned to China for help with Russia because they've known for months that he would he would invade Ukraine. Uh, the Chinese then took that entreaty and the intelligence they shared with the Chinese to the Russians. I mean, yes. what level of intelligence, uh, you know, it may not be just cognitive, it may be simply an IQ uh, in this national security team. Yeah, they're completely incompetent. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. And just like you said, taking our intelligence, sharing it with the Chinese, and, and not assuming that it was just going to end up right, uh, funneled immediately to the Russians, which it did. And the Chinese and the Russians are both kind of using it against us now. It's just, they, they just have a basic misunderstanding of, of, of how things work. I mean, you know, I, I don't get it at all, Lou. I just really don't. They, we need we need better leadership. And people all the time are telling me like, well, Ronnie, what are you doing? You know, you're trying to, you know, you're talking about uh, President Biden's cognitive issues and making a case for why he shouldn't be the president anymore. Well, are, well, are you crazy? Because Kamala Harris is going to follow him if that happens. I will tell you, uh, I cannot imagine that she can do anything that's worse than what he's doing to our country right now. Uh, I, 
I, so, you know, I, I don't think she's a, she's a, she's a better, a better choice, but I don't think she's going to damage this country any more than Joe Biden's doing as we speak. Yeah, it, it, it's a difficult, it's a very difficult assessment uh, because she is always unprepared or perhaps limited in her own fashion because she does not yeah. just does not command the, 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 the subject matter nor give anyone confidence that she knows what she's doing at no. any time on any well, we, subject. We know she's lazy. We've, we figured that out. Uh, you know, some reports coming from the White House, she doesn't have much of a work ethic, which is a problem. And I saw her speak at Munich and it was, it was embarrassing. It was like listening to a teenager talk about what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. It, yeah. it was, it was very. Yeah. I had the same reaction to the, the videos of her performance that I've seen. Uh, disappointing to say the least. Let, let's turn to Ukraine and uh, as a member of the uh, Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, your thoughts on what this country should be doing. Uh, and uh, if you will, uh, the, the situation as you see it right now in Ukraine. Well, like I said, Lou, I think our biggest problem is that we don't we don't have a leadership role in this anymore, whether it's with European countries or whether it's NATO. Uh, no one's following our lead anymore. We're just kind of following they're leading. They're fractured right now. Nobody's on the same page. And I, I, I sensed that in a big way when I was at the security conference in Munich. But I think that a lot of what we could have done early on, uh, it's not available to us anymore. People were talking about, Democrats were talking about, well, you can't use the sanctions, then you give away our negotiating tool. That was such garbage. You could have put the sanctions on them. You could have sanctioned Putin individually. You could sanction Russian oil and gas. You could have sanctioned the Russian banking system, all of this stuff. And you could have done it when they amassed 200,000 troops, almost 200,000 troops on the, on the Ukrainian border. You could have said, we're putting these sanctions in place and they'll be removed when you pull your troops off the border and stop threatening Ukraine. That's how it should have worked. And, you know, we would probably would have never even got to that point if Donald J. Trump had still been the president because, you know, they feared the man uh, that, you know, if he said he was going to do something, they knew that he was going to do it. They saw him as as de decisive and a little bit unpredictable, which was good for us, but unpredictable in a good way, a way that that, you know, that ensured our national security. Uh, we don't have that with Joe Biden. They, they have no respect for him whatsoever. And so I don't know what's left for us to do other than bolster up some of the NATO countries and, you know, increase the troop numbers there. And But this is how wars get started, to be honest with you, because we can start heading down this pathway. So I'm, I'm worried that Joe Biden and his inability to lead and his cognitive issues are going to continue to get worse and things are going to escalate and he's going to end up getting us into a war. What message do you believe uh, he sent to Ukrainians uh, as he sees the United States step aside instead of step up, uh, as has always been the custom of the United States. I'm the last person in this country yeah. who wants to have a war. Uh, but at the same time, I am the last person in the country or among the last uh, who want us to do nothing. Uh, there has right. to be a, an approach forward that will be supportive of these brave Ukrainians. I hope so. I hope we can still get some 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 armaments and, and, and things of that nature to them. You know, we could have done that early on. Right now, they're actually putting up a pretty good fight right now. And everything they're they using are. right now against the Russians, it came from the Trump administration, stuff that he put there, you know, Javelin missile or Javelins and uh, Stinger missiles and things of that nature. Those are mostly from the Trump era that we got there because I'm on I'm on foreign affairs and armed services. Mm -hmm. And I, we've had discussions about this over the last few months. And this they were coming out and they were saying, you know, well, the State Department was, was engineering some of this and like, we're going to uh, 
between State Department and DOD, we're going to get them uh, some first aid kits and things of that nature. We weren't mm-hmm. providing anything. You know, we was kind of back in the old in the Obama era where we were providing blankets and, and MREs and things of that nature. That's not what they need a weapon. They need weapon systems to defend themselves. And the only ones they currently have right now are ones that they got from the Trump administration. But hopefully we can find a way to continue to support them in that regard. It's going to be harder now because when we start, you know, rolling in weapon systems uh, that are killing Russian troops in Ukraine, uh, you got to wonder at what point does uh, Putin decide that that we're you know at war with him? So it's very dicey right now. But a lot of it is Joe Biden's making. Yeah, it is, and it is a disaster uh, again, and a disaster for his administration, but unfortunately also one for the Ukrainian people. Uh, you, yeah, Congressman, I really appreciate you being with us. I I have to say it's frustrating. I'm sure for uh, nearly all Americans to witness what is happening. Uh, this country has now devolved to a level of uh, governance uh, that uh, we don't do the right thing. Uh, we wait to see if our name's on a piece of paper that uh, binds us to uh, to the Ukrainians. And it, if it says no, then we step back. Uh, and if it says yes, we still step back, uh, whether it's a right. 1994 Budapest uh, memorandum uh, or, you know, just simple decency. There's it yes, seems sir. we have a leader who makes the same choices irrespective. Ronnie Jackson, yes, thanks sir. so much. We always give the, the last word to our guest. You're, you get the concluding thoughts. Thank you. Thank you, Lou. I appreciate it. I just want to tell the American people, you know, there's there's a hope on the horizon. We're going to win the House back in 2022. The Republicans will. And we're going to officially be able to stop some of this stuff. And we're going to fight hard over the next year or two to get our country back. And we're going to make America great again. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us, Congressman, Doctor, and Admiral. We appreciate it. Ronnie Jackson. Thank you, Lou. Appreciate you. Thanks so much. As I said at the outset of our show today, there is great urgency to get assistance to the Ukrainians. And with us today to give us perspective on the battles in cities and towns of Ukraine, the fighting in their streets and the bombardments and bewildered and frightened people still in hiding, seeking safety wherever they can. Our next guest is Corey Mills. He's a decorated combat veteran, 82nd Airborne, awarded the Bronze Star, worked with the State Department and other government agencies, now running for Congress in Florida, endorsed by Congressman Jim Jordan, the most endorsed congressional candidate, in fact, running. Corey Mills, good to have you here on The Great America Show. The fight's getting tougher for the Ukrainians. A lot of military analysts didn't expect the Ukrainians to equip themselves this well to fight this hard against the Russian forces. Your reaction? Well, I got to be honest, Lou, I'm actually not as surprised as others. Now, bear in mind, I was in Ukraine in 2015 and I was talking and working around with a volunteer battalion called the Nepeta Battalion. And they're based out of Nepeta Jovsk. And their job was to ensure that the invasion that had already occurred under the Obama Biden administration into Donetsk, where they also annexed Crimea, did not expand any further. Now, these were individuals who they were not supported like it was under President Trump, where lethal aid was rendered. This is under the Obama Biden administration when humanitarian aid for Band-Aids and blankets was the only thing that was being provided. So these war fighters, these patriots, these volunteers were selling their homes, selling their businesses, selling their personal belongings and trying to go to surrounding areas who are utilizing close to the same non-standard ammunitions and then fighting the fight on their own. So we knew the pride of 
of these people, the resolve of these people since 2015. And it wasn't until President Trump, until we approved that lethal aid to get in Stinger missiles, to get in anti-tank missiles like the Javelin systems. And right. I always, I, I kind of joke around, but this really is part of the Trump resistance. I mean, those weapons that are being utilized are things that was delivered during the Trump administration. And unfortunately, there's not been a whole lot of support from a weakened Biden administration. And there has been very little support from the NATO countries, the European Union. Uh, it is remarkable to me, at least, that those countries in direct proximity, contiguous to, in fact, uh, Ukraine, would not be amongst the first to step up and provide aid, to provide military uh, material, weapons, ordnance, you name it, uh, for these people to stand up against the Russians. Why not? Well, well, again, you got to think about the fact that look at Germany as an example, a key member of the NATO and the UN. They are so dependent upon Russian oil and gas at this stage after the two decades of getting rid of any type of nuclear and even coal energy that they really would suffer as a result of their fracture between Russian oil and gas and the EU. So what the American government and everyone else had failed to do is decouple the EU. And again, this really was amplified when you start talking about the fact that it was Joe Biden and his administration who lifted the sanctions necessary for Nord Stream 2. Right. But let's go a step further. We're actually funding our own adversaries, Lou. I mean, you think about the fact that in October of 2017, we were importing around 17,000 barrels of oil from Russia. You fast forward that to October of 2021, we were already up to 217,000 barrels during this time. So we're literally funding adversarial nations. Well, and by the way, it isn't simply Russia that we are funding. We built communist China with our idiotic uh, trade policies, our insane uh, relationship with the Chinese and the and the resulting dependency of this nation on China for every nearly every product, but 97 percent of That's our right. pharmaceuticals. Uh, I mean, and the list goes on. It is embarrassing, and it should be troubling to everyone who cares about the national security uh, of the United States. Uh, I want to I want to get your assessment right now of what could be done. And let's start with the United States. Should the United States and this administration, for whatever reason, understand that courage like the uh, like the the Ukrainians are displaying every day, uh, we they have to have support. And how could we, in all conscience and morality, not support them against a despot uh, and a tyrannical regime in Russia? Well, I'll tell you, it's interesting that you bring up the point of, of kind of America's, uh, you know, uh, dedication or obligation that's on there. You know, I have to go back to recalling on uh, the Budapest Memorandum, which right. the Federation of Russia had signed, which the UK, Northern Ireland had signed, Ukraine, as well as for America. You know, back we were in one of the on this. Back in That's exactly right. That's right. And originally, you know, the idea was it was a nuclear nonproliferation agreement. But in that agreement, it's very explicit in the fact that we will honor, respect and defend the sovereignty and the borders of Ukraine. When the Federation of Russia invaded in 2014, the Obama administration, which I always call this the Obama 2.0 model, but the Obama administration should have gone forward and levied actions against this. That would allow them to start sanctioning with regards to the five major state banks, freezing the assets of the three major oligarchs, cutting off the SWIFT, which would prevent the, the, the incoming and the outgoing uh, transfer of funds, and also go ahead and levy heavier sanctions against the oil and gas utilizations in the EU. We missed that opportunity. So now what 
we need to be looking at is obviously looking at locking up the swift uh, capabilities of Russia. We need to be looking at the United. Sorry, go ahead. Excuse me, Corey. I, I just wanted to interject. Swift is the uh, international uh, financial information clearinghouse uh, for import, exports, uh, and trade between nations, and primarily, uh, purposely, uh, it is. Uh, the source of about 50%, if not 60% of Russia's revenue. That's exactly right. The other thing that we must do at this time is, you know, we're going to understand very quickly how much of the actual Ukrainian airspace is being dominated and controlled by Russia. This, you know, domination of the airspace will impact our ability to try and help with additional lethal aid or additional munitions and defense products. So now we're going to have to start looking at the Western Front, where we start looking at pushing things through ground supply with Poland, and that becomes a whole different issue in itself. Listen, I know how difficult overland supply chain you know is because my team and I actually and I'm not sure if you remember this Lou but we actually conducted the very first overland rescue of Americans out of Afghanistan the mother and her three children and that Absolutely. could have been a much easier thing if we did the airlift but uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I think that this is going to come to insurgency-based warfare, guerrilla-based tactics. We have to bog them down, very similar to what happened to them with Chechnya and also what happened to them in Afghanistan. And it has to be such a costly war for Vladimir Putin that this actually becomes domestically unpopular. But we have to also look at one more quick thing, if I may, which is sure. we need to look at the fact that this is the great superpower resurgence and that China, Russia, and Iran are completely interlinked. China is looking to advance their one belt, one road initiative. This is essentially like a maritime silk route. And in order to do that, they have to expand their borders for Eurasia. They have to take over Africa and they have to control Oceania. Russia is helping them to advance that Eurasian border so that they can go ahead and create and establish this so they can control more on the trade, more on the resources and more on the economic warfare against America. This is why we have to get back to increasing and promoting domestic production and locking our borders. Absolutely. And domestic uh, production and also our national security, which is absolutely uh, critical. Uh, we have to remove our dependence on China, on any other nation for our critical strategic materials, su uh, supplies uh, and, and products and services that we desperately need in this country. We don't have a supply chain disruption. We have the consequences of an idiotic decision 30 years ago by corporate America to offshore production, to cheap labor markets, to outsource good paying American middle class jobs to overseas markets and uh, arbitrage labor prices. It is disgusting. It's appalling. And that uh, uh, it took uh, years for Donald Trump to appear on the political scene and to actually seize on these issues and take them up and defend the country and us and absolutely put America first. Uh, it, it to me is a, a terrific policy and should be a required policy of any president, but he happened to be anomalous in this chain of uh, leaders that, well, we can go into the history later. Uh, I, I want your assessment as to what we need to do right now to help those brave Ukrainians who are fighting the Russians, uh, a superior firepower, superior everything. Uh, what can they, what can we do for them? 
Well, I'll tell you, I think that we need to listen to what President Zelensky, a true leader, by the way, I'm, I'm exceptionally Amen. impressed with, with President Zelensky, who had the ability to leave the country and said, no, I don't need a ride. I need more ammunition. So I think that it's very clear what they need is additional lethal aid. We need to rush in you know, and support them from an air defense system, whether that's from Poland or whether that's just across the border. We have to get the necessary Javelin and, and uh, the Stinger systems in there, which would take down aircraft, take down tanks. Again, we need to arm and equip Ukraine to bog down Russia and prevent their further incursions. And to be clear to everyone on this issue, Biden administration uh, decisions in, in the first months were to slow walk every piece of aid, military aid to Ukraine. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. It's uh, and it is not just simply a regrettable error of judgment. Uh, this is uh, this will be examined in history. Uh, and it will be part of the Biden legacy. How fast could we do all of what you're recommending? I mean, we could do it immediately. And I'll tell you right now, part of that slowdown, as you're talking about, Lou, we have to contribute it to where it really comes from. Yes, it's from Joe Biden, who, you know, Secretary Gates told us long ago had been wrong on foreign policy 100 percent of the time. But what this is about, this is the but only for 40 years in the military. Oh, yes. Only for 47 plus years for being technical. But, uh, you know, the thing is, is that we have to look at the fact that the neoconservatives who are wanting to be warmongers and, and continues to be a, a interventionist and these military industrial complexes, they benefit massively when diplomacy fails. So we need to look at the fact of where this info and all these, you know, kind of false narratives that, oh, they're not going to invade. And, oh, we're going to put in the heavy levied sanctions to prevent this. Look, this was all a farce. The Biden administration knew it was going to take place. And I think that they're so compromised when it comes to Hunter Biden and the rest that they weren't willing to actually take strong action like President Trump was. Why, why would we have leaders uh, in the form of Biden, uh, Schumer, Pelosi, uh, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy? Why would we have leaders who think you have to have your name on a piece of paper to do the right thing? Why would that be? Have we really descended to that level in, in the United States of America? I can tell you right now, what we are absolutely witnessing is a crisis in leadership. We are looking at the fact that we are not leading by example. We're looking at the fact that we are weaker from a national security perspective than I think we've ever been in my lifetime. And so you look at what's going on right now. You have North Korea launching hypersonic missiles which is a Chinese technology. You have China, who has now surpassed America with regards to the number of naval vessels that are actually able to launch. You have a buildup in the South China Sea. You have threats on Taiwan. You have the botched withdrawal in Afghanistan that left $1.3 trillion in lithium to China, as well as for other precious minerals yep. and a very geopolitically strong position with Bagram Air Base. You have Yemen, who is basically starting to allow the Houthis to launch more attacks against the UAE, who is one of the original signatories on the Abrams Accord. You know, these types Types of things. And now, can believe it or not, we're actually talking about re-entering the JCPOA, who, by the way, is over 60% nuclear enrichment, almost to a weapons grade for the, the regime in Iran, the largest state sponsor of terror. So you look at this and you contrast that to just over a year ago when we had President Donald Trump in there, where he withdrawed us from these failed you know, uh, agreements like the JCPOA or Resolution 2231. He withdrew us from the failed Russian agreement with the INF Treaty. He put stronger sanctions and more levies against China to make sure that we offset those trade imbalances. You know, He did more for peace deals and peace accords than any of the previous administrations, and by all rights, should have gotten the Nobel Peace Prize, by the way, if it wasn't so politicized. But right now, what we have is a complete crisis 
leaders in leadership, Lou. We don't have anyone who's willing to lead from the front. We don't have anyone who's willing to take those necessary precautions. And I think that we're so down, far down the road now that any American involvement is just going to exacerbate the situation with Russia. I think that we need to allow Poland and the UK and other UN members and NATO members to actually take the lead with the US probably supporting them. Because here's the reality. We were first at the ball and we balked it. We did not do what was necessary. Yeah. Uh, what do you think will happen? Do you think that we can mount a, 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 a supply chain into Ukraine? and move humanitarian aid and weaponry and uh, all sorts of necessary uh, military material to the Ukrainians? Yes, we can. And, but the biggest fear that I have personally, Lou, is that I just watched the humanitarian, or as the Biden administration called, the most successful operational airlift in history, where they were bringing in 83 and, and over 83,000 unvetted Afghans into America. Yep. I do not want to see this same exact thing occur where we have Russian plants and we have different types of, of covert military operations that are being conducted in a false flag narrative that are going into Poland, going into Belarus, going into all the neighboring countries that are allowing the Ukrainians to come out only to go ahead and put a footbed in there to start launching a further attack. So I think that we have to be very cautious in our humanitarian support. We have to ensure that we're doing some type of a vetting somewhere. And the, the difference, however, with this in Afghanistan is, is that, you know, the Afghans were completely border locked where none of the countries were allowing them in. The Ukrainians have a whole different picture. They do have allies in the area. They do have nations who are supporting them. And I think that it's very, very feasible to get the necessary arms in under a lethal aid agreement to help support and to help supply Ukraine to be able to fight this war. This war, do you think that this will, uh, do you think that Vladimir Putin intends that this invasion and this war on Ukraine will expand to Belarus, to the Baltic states, to Poland, uh, to uh, to Eastern Europe. I don't think that Vladimir Putin, and again, I could be wrong on this. I mean, I don't know his level of insanity and, and, and overall tyrannical, you know, uh, dictatorship policies, but I will say this. I don't see him necessarily stepping on NATO toes to, to enact the article five agreement. I think that if you activated article five and all the people who are signatories and who are on NATO would have to actually respond with boots on the ground or further firepower. I think he knows that's a lost cause, but I think he will push the borders just like he did in 2014, putting a toe in the water, seeing how far he can go, seeing how far he can push, but not violating NATO to enact the actual article five agreement. Corey Mills, thanks for being with us. A, a great American, a great patriot running for the uh, United States Congress from the seventh district of Florida. Uh, we wish you luck and uh, look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lou. Such an honor. Thanks, Corey. And thanks to everybody listening today to The Great America Show. Please join us tomorrow as we continue our analysis and discussion of the Ukrainian crisis and its implications for our great nation. God bless you and God bless America. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.